Well, I'm a pretty competitive person. I love to compete at a lot of things. Uh, did that throughout high school and college and still enjoy uh, competing, whether it's running or a sporting event or playing cards. Uh, I just like to compete. In fact, our family, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were driving back from Indianapolis and we started playing the ABC game. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played this before, but it's basically where you look outside your car and you pick words starting with A and then you go to B all the way to Z. Now, my wife Jennifer is very collaborative and she thought it would be good for us to play as an entire family. I'm competitive and I did not think that was a good idea. So we all had to do separate words and no one else could pick the other person's word. And that's how messed up I am when it comes uh, to competition. But I did win. So, um, and... uh, So I just love competition, and this last weekend, uh, we've seen it with uh, the Masters and uh, saw great competition there. Um, Last weekend, we saw it with the NCAA Finals for both the women and the men and all the competition that's there. Um, My daughter, Jordan, I love to see her compete, and so yesterday they were playing uh, soccer in Cincinnati. She scored a goal, and I jumped up real high, and I think I freaked her out because now she's at that age where she's like, sit down, don't bug me. But uh, I, was, I was celebrating. And so I just love competition. And it makes sense because we live in a very competitive nation. Um, the United States is filled with competition uh, all the time. Now, uh, some of you know my wife, Jennifer, and you might say, well, she's not competitive. But you would be wrong. Um, she is. Uh, she fools you. But when we go fishing, uh, she loves to compete. She always wants to catch the most fish uh, of anyone else, and usually she does. And um, also, uh, even if it's just like the fish aren't biting, she wants to win the casting war. And she will see who casts the furthest. And one time, my two girls were on the verge of tears. She's like, suck it up, buttercup, you know. Like, if you can't cast it as far as me, you don't win this, you know. And so uh, there's just this sense of competition that's always around us. But the thing that I've realized more and more is that even though competition is a good thing, many of us have a tendency to compete for things that are temporary rather than things that are eternal. The problem is many of the things that you and I compete for the most are very temporary kind of things and have no eternal kind of meaning. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's this. Don't waste your competitive edge on something that is temporary. Many of us spend our whole life competing for things that are very, very temporary. They're here one day, and then they're gone the next. For instance, I thought basketball was going to be my whole world, and I competed in it all the time. And now I have a partial ACL tear in my right knee, and I can't play basketball at all. And I spent all this time and energy on something that was very, very temporary, rather than things that are eternal. And so today, I want to talk about challenging you to compete for the thing that is most eternal than anything else, and that is the soul of other human beings. Competing for the souls of others is the greatest and the most rewarding competition on earth that any of us can be a part of. And my question for you this morning is, are you competing? Are you fishing? Are you in the game? Now, last week we talked about that life is just one big fishing trip and that your fishing story matters. 
Whatever your story is, it matters. And last week, we talked about how when you fish, that's all you have to do. You simply cast and you fish, but it's God's responsibility to catch people, to save people, to do that. It's not ours. We're simply to cast and to fish. Now, for some of you, you have finally been hooked by the love and grace of God. And my question for you this morning is, who fished for you? Is there a name of a person who actually reached out and introduced you to the God of the universe? Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a co-worker. Maybe it was a youth leader. Maybe, uh, you know, a children's pastor. Maybe it was someone in high school. Maybe someone in college. But I want you to think back in your memory, if you're a Christ follower, who was the person who fished for you? Now, for me, it was my parents. Um, And uh, next Sunday, they are actually going to celebrate 62 years of marriage. I think we have a picture of them there. Yeah, that's cool. The Moody's, if some of you know Gina Marie Moody, they're the only ones I think that are ahead of them, okay? And so they're trying to catch them. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. But anyway, so, so they have been married 62 years, and this is something that's really cool. So they were actually married on Easter Sunday in 1957. And it took 62 years before Easter fell on Easter Sunday again. So my dad is really going to splurge on her, and he's taking her to Ship Shawana. Woo! Big spender, you know? Uh, but, but they like to go there, and they buy stuff, and I don't know what they do. But anyway, um, but I always knew that my parents loved me. Like, I never feared that. But the thing was, in, in my life, once I came to Christ, I thought, you know what? The greatest gift they ever gave me was introducing me to the one who knows me best and loves me most. Now, like I said last Sunday, they're the ones that were truly fishing for me, and I'm so grateful that they did fish for me. They didn't wait for me to just kind of figure it out on my own, but they actually fished. They cast, and I took the bait of Christ, and now I'm hooked with Him, and I'm grateful for that. And God wants all of us to simply be willing to fish like that. The question is, do you care for the fish around you? Do you care enough to reach out to those who are truly swimming aimlessly? You know, when it comes to heaven, uh, we all want to get there. Like, I've never talked to someone and go, hey, would you like to go to heaven? Nope, really don't want to. You know, like, I've never heard that before. But people have a sense that there has to be something more. Even if they're atheists, they're agnostic, they, they think about, is there something more than what's right here? And so most people want to go to heaven, and and Jesus wants everyone. He wants no one to perish. And this is what I know about heaven when it comes to you and I. There are going to be two things absolutely in heaven. There's going to be God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. There's going to be God there, and there's going to be people there. And the reason that is is because people matter to God. More than anything else on His radar is people. Because people matter to Him. Now last week we uh, passed out these 
little cool bracelets. Uh, does anyone have their bracelet? You just hold it up here, okay? If you're like, I didn't get a bracelet, guess what? You can get one today. So when you walk out uh, at Guest Connections, get your bracelet. And simply what it says is that you matter to God. And I just kind of had this idea that if we wore this as we're leading up to Easter, and that's all I'm asking you, just wear it up till Easter, is that when you're going through a tough day and you're not so sure, you look at your bracelet and you're like, you know what, I do matter to God. I personally matter. The person wearing this bracelet matters to God. But then when you look at all the fish that are around you, then I want you to think that they matter to God. And how can you reach out to your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, invite them on Easter Sunday to come and experience that they matter to Him as well. You matter to God and they matter to God. You know, at the beginning of Jesus' teaching, the way that he said, I'm going to let people know that they matter so much is I'm going to start my uh, teaching by giving a command and I'm going to end my teaching ministry giving a command. And at the very beginning of his ministry, he said one word, fish. And just before he ascended back to heaven, he told all of his followers, what I want you to do is fish. You see, his strategy from the age 30 to 33 to where he finally gave his one and only life for the sins of the world, that's what we'll celebrate on Friday, Good Friday, when he gave his life. His whole strategy was in 36 months, what I want to do is I want to fish for people and I want to model fishing for others. 132 times in the four Gospels, the teachings of Jesus, there are one-on-one encounters in which Jesus is actually meeting with someone one-on-one, fishing for them. It was a one-on-one kind of casting kind of experience. Now, fishing and casting is really important. But the aquarium that we come to each Sunday, the church is important. And I love the church. I love this church. I love every church in our community. I want all churches to be able to impact and reach out because I truly believe that the church is the hope of the world. More than anything else, it gives hope to people beyond themselves. But the question becomes, when it comes to fishing, how do we fish? What does it mean to fish? And so I kind of came up with an acrostic, and this is what it is. The key to fishing is to focus in our sea of humanity. That what we need to do is to focus in on our sea of humanity. You see, folks, life is like a great big ocean, but there are different kind of seas that are on planet Earth that are your sea. That there are people of influence that are around you. There are fish around you that he's asking you to reach out and to experience. Now, if you're not a Christ follower and you're here for the first time, give us a little levity. I hope you'll get something out of this. But we're talking today about how do we fish and reach out to people who are far from Him. And the strategy that He's had from day one is to fish. He didn't kind of decide, hey, we'll fish until it doesn't work anymore and then we'll stop. He said, no, 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 no. I want you to fish until you drop. Like, keep on Fishing. You know, like in Nemo. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Remember that? Yeah. Like, if you're a Christ follower, what you need to think about is just keep fishing, just keep fishing. Regardless of the result, you keep reaching out to people. 
Now, Jesus said this so well in Luke chapter 19, and this is what he said when it comes to fishing. Jesus said, follow me, and I will show you how to, what's the last word, sir? What's it say? Yeah, fish for people. That was his whole command. That you follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people, because people matter to God. And if people matter to God, they must matter to you. They must. He tells the disciples, I'm going to do something in your life, but then I want you to go and focus on your sea of humanity. Folks, you know people and you swim with people that I don't. You actually know people that people around you don't know. And it's not going to you know, be some televangelist that's going to bring them to Christ or that God's asking for them to fish. He's asking you, your neighbors, your co-workers, the people around you, for you to fish for them. And if many of them are ever going to come to Christ, it will be because you invested in their life. We cast, we fish, and then we allow God to take care of the cat. It's no wonder then that the first four people that Jesus called to fish or to be his disciples were fishermen. Simon, Andrew, James, John, they're all fishermen because he knew they had a competitive edge. Now, I guess he could have chose attorneys. He could have chose doctors. He could have chose teachers. He could have chose bankers. He could have chose actors, actresses. He could have chose a whole bunch of preachers. Thank God he didn't. But instead... The very first people that he chose were fishermen. Why? Because they have a competitive edge. Now, I'm sure many of you have been sitting there thinking, what's up with the fishbowl bunch? Like, what's this about? Well, I told you last week that our family, we love to fish, and we just love fish in general. Uh, We go to a lot of aquariums. And uh, my youngest daughter, Shiloh, this is her fish. This is... Coral. Uh, Coral, this is all the people, okay? And uh, she loves coral, and uh, we never thought coral would last very long. We prayed coral would not last very long. (laughs) And coral is coming up on her year anniversary of life, and she's cost me a lot of money. Uh, You know, the little goldfish cost a dollar, but then the rest of it cost a whole lot more. And... um, most of you, you look at this and this is what you see. You see a goldfish in a fish bowl, and that's true. You know, I was thinking about it, that the church sometimes can become a fish bowl. What can happen is we can get into the fish bowl because it feels very comfortable and safe and we know people and people feed us and people take care of us and each time we come to church there's something that we don't have to worry about because someone else is kind of taking care of us. And many of us like the fish bowl because it's safe, it's comfortable. And so for many of us what we do is we just stare at the fish bowl, we stare at the fish bowl, we stare at it forever And we turn our backs on the masses of people that are around us. And it's not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty sight for us to 
turn our backs on the rest of the fish while we stay in the fishbowl. And so today, what I want to talk about is some ways that you can choose not to stay in the fishbowl, but to actually fish for people. And so I want to give you four characteristics. Here's the first one of becoming a person who fish, fishes, fish, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Let's just go this. Look at this one I came up. I can't say that, that grammatical word correctly, but this I can. Real. Don't you like that? Like, real. You see what I mean? Like, real. Okay? Um, if you're going to be a good fisherman or a fisherwoman, be real passionate. You've got to be passionate. Now look at the disciples that Jesus picked. Um, this was not a group of people that you would have chosen, and yet Jesus did because when he looked at them, he said, you know what? They come from the wrong side of the tracks. They're ragtab, foul-mouthed, rough, tough guys. But this is the thing about them, that they're passionate about what they do. And there was this real sense that these first four that he picked, especially who were all fishermen, they loved to fish and they were passionate about it. They didn't smell very good. You know what I mean? It wasn't a good thing. By the way, here's, here's just free of charge. If you ever get fish smell on your hands, put toothpaste on it and go like that and it will be gone. That was free. You didn't have to pay me for that. Okay. But there are, you want to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. And as he picked his disciples, he said, well, they're passionate about fishing, but I don't want them to go for the six inchers. I want them to go for the six footers. And so he taught them how to fish. And he said, um, because it's my heart for all people that I want to fish for all people. And uh, we're told these words uh, of what Jesus did. The Son of Man, that is Jesus, came to find what kind of people? Lost people. That, that's who I was at one time. Lost people and to what? Save them. You and I don't do the saving. Okay? Uh, one of the things that I found in the church and pastors sometimes... They'll talk about that they saved people. Like they have a belt and they have so many notches, you know. Look how many. You now, Chris Bunch has not saved a single person. Don't ever think that I ever save anyone. I don't. I just love people who were once like me, who were very far from God and still am messy in my spirituality. And I love them enough to introduce them to the one who knows them best and loves them most. And he, in his time, does the saving. Now there are tons of lost people, people who are swimming aimlessly in the sea of humanity. And the question is, are they worth reaching out to? You know, one of the biggest questions that we, th we have in life is this. Why are we here? I mean, not like, why are you here right now? But like, why are you on earth? And many people think, oh, the reason I'm here is to make money. The reason I'm here is to have a lot of kids. The reason I'm here is to have fun. A lot of people think the reason they're here is to sin. We do it really well, but that's not the reason why we should be here. The reason why we're here, the reason you were created was this, to help rescue as many people as possible. To be able to throw out a life preserver to anyone who is drowning in the sea of humanity and let them know, no, no, you don't have to drown anymore. There's one who loves you, who cares for you, and he'll take care of you. I mean... The whole reason, folks, that you and I are not immediately zapped when we give our life to Christ is because He has a strategy. 
And his strategy for his kingdom is people like you and me reaching out to other people. The reason we're not zapped and immediately taken to heaven is because he has purpose for us to reach out to other folks. But the problem is, folks, for many of us, we like the fishbowl. It's a lot easier for you and I to stay in there. It's comfortable. It's safe. We know everybody. We don't have to take any risk. We don't have to reach out. We don't have to fear rejection. And Jesus is like, you want to stay there? Like, you really want to stay in the fishbowl? I didn't create you to stay in a fishbowl. I created you to be out in the sea of humanity, focused on it, reaching out, fishing for people. Now, obviously, there are a lot of you who love to fish. Because if you weren't, we would still have six people and we'd all be meeting in my living room. And by the way, you can't fit in my living room now, okay? We have about 400 people each Sunday, so it doesn't happen. Some of you, you love to fish. You love to fish for people. Others of you, there was a time in your life that you loved to fish, but now all of a sudden, you just don't quite do it anymore. And so my question is, will you choose to be passionate once again? Will you throw out your line and reach out to people who are far from God? So, we've got to be real passionate, and the second thing that we need to be is to be real prepared. That you and I have to be real prepared. My uncle uh, Phil was a fisherman, and he was actually a fishing guide. And uh, he retired from Dana Corporation where he spent 30 years and he looked at Florida and he wanted to know where was the best fishing. And so he retired in um, Daloon Springs, Florida, right off the St. John's River. And that's where he's at. I think we have a picture of him. He was kind of a mean redneck, to be quite honest. But anyways, he he loved to fish. That, that, That was him. And he was always prepared to fish. Like we'd get to his house and he'd have his boat all ready. He'd have everything in the tackle box ready to go. Uh, the night before we would go fish, he would fix all the sandwiches. He had everything ready. He was diabetic. He'd have all of his medicine all ready. Everything was always prepared. And then, this is what I didn't like about this man. He would get us up at 6 o'clock in the morning on our vacation to go fishing. I'm like, Uncle Phil, can we just sleep in a little bit? No. I'm like, Uncle Phil, you're not being compassionate. I know. This is my house. We're going to fish. So 6 o'clock in the morning, he'd like, we'd just roll out, and he'd take us, and we would freeze to death for the first two hours. Like, you think Florida's warm, but when you have a T-shirt and shorts on, and you're on Lake Woodruff, and he's going like 50 miles an hour to get to the fishing spot, you freeze. I froze because I wasn't prepared. He had flannel shirts on, a hat, gloves. He was prepared. Now, when it comes to fishing for people, don't be like I was when it came to fishing for fish. You need to be prepared. And how are you prepared? You've got to know your story. You've got to know your story. Every single person here has a powerful story that God wants you to share and use with someone else. Do you know it? Do you know what your life was like before Christ, when you came to Christ, and then after that? And many of you could be able to share that 
very, very easily, very quickly. And Jesus said it doesn't have to be long. It can be very simple. In fact, there's one story in John chapter 9 that is very cool. There was a guy who was blind. He was blind his whole life. He came and he met Jesus, and he was healed, and he was able to see. And then after that, he went out and told other people. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his time, were not happy with the fact that this guy could see. They were actually upset that he could see, and they started talking about, well, I don't think it's real. I think Jesus is using some tricks to do this. And finally, the man came, and he simply said this. He said these words. He said, all I can tell you is I was blind, but now I can see. He's like, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't know all the theological underpinnings. I don't know this, but this is what I know in my story. I was blind my whole life. Jesus came into my life, and now I can see. And some of you have a story that's that simple as well. I was an addict. I came to Christ, and now I'm sober. I was depressed and discouraged. I came to Christ, and now I have joy. For others of you, I was anxious and overwhelmed. I came to Christ, and now I have peace. For others of you, maybe it's, you know, I was hurting, and then I came to Christ, and now I have healing. I was lost, and then I came to Christ, and now I've been found. And that's your story. And it's that easy for you to share it. And many of you could do this in just two or three minutes. It's very easy for you to tell your story. The risk is, will you tell it? You know, the, do you know your story? And are you willing to take the risk? Because this is what I know. Once you know your story, if you pray to God and you say, God, would you give me wisdom to share my story with somebody else? He'll put people in place to do that. You know, I never ask you guys to do anything that I'm not willing to do, and so I wrote my story. It's a hundred words, exactly a hundred words, and this is it. Most of my life, I wore a mask. I acted like I had it all together, but I didn't. I tried to please everybody else around me, and it only got me further away from the things of God. And I realized, as I wore this mask, I was lying to myself. At the age of 26, I found the fullness of Jesus Christ, and I finally realized that He accepted me as is. He accepted me as is. I didn't have to earn my way to Him. He accepted me exactly the way I am. And then after that, because I know I'm accepted as is, I experience his acceptance and his freedom and the mask is off and you can see who I am. Some of you are like, don't reveal so much, okay? But I don't care anymore because I have freedom and I want as many people to experience that same freedom. Folks, I just shared my story to you in a minute and it was a hundred words. And you can do the same thing. You really can. Jesus says, be prepared. In fact, one of his uh, disciples, Peter, said these words. He said, always be, what's the word? Prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the, what's the next word? Hope. That's the thing, folks. You guys have hope. You're not living life with hopelessness. You have hope that you have. And people want to hear your 
story. So, when you go to the office tomorrow and someone sees your little bracelet, are you able to be able to share your story? In your neighborhood, with soccer parents, whoever it is that you are connecting with, can you share your story? Now, the reason that many people don't share their story is because of this excuse. The number one, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about theology. What if people ask me hard questions and I just don't know enough? Guess what? I don't know enough. I really don't. I'm reaching out to a guy right now who is far from God and he knows more about science and evolution and uh, scientific theories than I'll ever know. And I shared my story with him and I realized he didn't really care so much about that. It's like he wants to know does science and faith really work together? So the good thing is God gives us a lot of smart people who write books and I found one of these books and it's right here. Uh, it's the case for faith and he and I have been reading this together. And there's one chapter on science and there's one chapter specifically on evolution. And so we've been reading this whole book and uh, there was a a chapter that was coming up uh, that was dealing with science as well. And we met this Thursday and as he and I were talking to each other, he said, you know what, I don't think I need to read all these anymore because I believe that there is a creator now. And I about fell off my chair. I've been meeting with this guy for almost a year and I'm like, I had to read this hard book and all this scientific stuff and and now he's like, yeah, he's like, if it's the Big Bang, I think there's a God who created it. I don't think there's anything else. Or as Rick Warren says, there's a Big Banger. You know what I mean? And I was lost, but that would have never happened had I not been prepared with a book. And so if you need a resource or a book with someone because you don't know the answers, get it and you'll be able to connect with that. Now, we have to be real passionate. We have to, uh, let's move on to the next one. If you, we need to be real passionate, real prepared, and finally, you need to be real persistent. You've got to be real persistent. You have to be consistently being persistent. If you're going to be a fisherwoman, if you're going to be a fisherman, you need to have persistence. Now, the place where I have been the most persistent is with the parents and families of the activities that my kids are involved in. So whether it's soccer or swimming or ballet, I'm always trying to fish with these different families. I try to build relationships with them. And we've been very, very blessed. On my oldest daughter Jordan's soccer team, uh, there are two families who we fished for long enough, and now they are actually here and they attend regularly. Uh, You saw Shauna's story last week where she accepted Christ and their family has, and now they're fishing for other people. And so when it comes to soccer and the soccer parents, that becomes the people we're persistent with. Now there's another family that we've been being persistent with for the last uh, three years, and uh, we just haven't seen much movement. We've invited them over to our house. We've had cookouts. We've had all kinds of stuff with all the soccer folks to get to know them. But this one family, we haven't really moved the needle that much. And in the last three years, no joke, I bet I've invited them at least 50 times to church. Um, you ever 
text people and they never respond back to you. And like you pretty soon have this big old long list of like, you know, all these, I like to have all these texts of these people and they never, ever responded to me. And I just kept doing it and I got to build a relationship with the dad. His name's Aaron and he and I got to know each other and we've had some spiritual conversations and my wife Jennifer has gotten to meet uh, his wife Carrie and she's going through some medical stuff right now and so they've connected and naturally my daughter and their daughter Addison connects as well. And so I just continued to invite and try to reach out to be persistent fishing for them. And so on March 23rd uh, of this year, I sent them a text. Here's the text that I sent. Hey, Carrie and Aaron, I hope you are enjoying your Saturday. I just wanted to invite you guys to church tomorrow at the Civic Theater at 9 or 1045. I hope you can come. And the reason we don't have their response, guess why? They didn't respond. So on the 24th, it's the second celebration, and uh, just before we started uh, the second celebration, I'm walking down this aisle, and all of a sudden I look up, kind of in this section right here, and there is Aaron and Carrie and their two kids. And I'm walking down the aisle, and I look up, and I'm glad I didn't say this, but I was thinking in my head, what are you doing here? And I get real awkward sometimes, and so I walk up to them, and I'm like introducing myself. I've known them for three years. So I turn around, I I come back down, and I go backstage, and I start texting my wife Jennifer. I'm like, Aaron's here, Carrie's here, the kids are here. Where are you at? No response. So I give her a reasonable amount of time, I think, 15 minutes, uh, seconds, uh, 15 seconds. And I text her a second time, and I'm like, where are you? They're here. And I love Jar Kids. You should send your kids to Jar Kids. But they were sitting here, and I'm like, wherever Jordan's at too, don't let her go to Jar Kids. Let her come down here. I text her again. No response. Fifteen seconds later, I call her. I'm like, where are you? She's like, I'm up in the balcony worshiping God. And I said, well, you can worship downstairs. They're here. And so they walked downstairs. They sat with them. They worshiped together. Church is done. Everyone has left. Everyone. And they didn't leave. And Aaron came up to me and he said, God must have known exactly what I needed to hear today. I haven't been in church for years. And God really spoke to me in this thing. And one o'clock comes. I mean, everyone is, everyone's gone. Like all the staff, everyone's gone. They're still here. And finally we're like, we have a couch that we have to figure out that, uh, you know, is needing to get measured. And so we've got to leave. And at one o'clock they finally left. And that was it. And this is the thought that I had. What if in year two, I would have chosen not to text them? What if in year two, I would have just gave up and chose not to reach out to them? Folks, I understand it's so easy to stay in the fishbowl, but God wants you to fish outside. There's a scripture when it comes to persistency that I think is important, and it says this. 
It's in 2 Timothy. It says, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. I never really suffered, but I got rejected a ton of times. I don't need to be afraid about that. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has for you. And again, as I just said, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid. I'm just going to keep on doing it. Who knows? And this morning I text them because she's going through some medical stuff. I said, hey, I'm praying for you guys this morning. And I actually got a text back. And they said, thank you so much. And this level that they're wanting to happen in her blood work, she said, I'm praying for that. And I said, I am too. And they'll be here on Easter Sunday. And my question for you is, are you going to have some fish here? Will you be persistent enough this week to invite people to come and to experience the love of God? So, uh, here's the last thing. If you're going to have characteristics that are needed to fish for people, you're real persistent, real prepared, real, uh, or real prepared, real persistent, and you have to have a real partnership. You have to have a real partnership. And this is the way it works. You take one hand up and you reach up to God, and you have a relationship with Him. And then you take your second hand and you connect with the church. And as you're having that partnership, you see God move. You see, folks, we as a church will do anything we can short of sin to be able to help people to know the love of God. We'll do whatever it takes to reach out to people. And we want to teach you how to fish as well. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have classes for you to know how to do the thing that you were created for. We also have great volunteers. So when people walk in next Easter Sunday, the people that you're going to invite on Easter Sunday, when they walk in, there will be volunteers here who greet them and love them, care for them, invite them to come and to connect. If you're already fishing, if you're like, I already have like this many people and some of you have come up and said, hey, my friends are coming, my brother's coming, my sister's coming, my parents are coming, whatever. You know what? Thank you. Thanks for fishing. But for some of you, maybe you've just gotten kind of old with fishing and you've been in the fishbowl. I'm telling you, this is the week that you've got to re-engage and to reach out and to fish. I'd like to close you with a scripture in Romans 1.16 that I hope gives you some encouragement. Here it is. I am ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? What's it say? I'm not. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it has the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Folks, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the story of Jesus and His love. I don't have to twist people. I don't have to save them. I don't have to catch them. All i got to do is fish. And whether it's at the ballet studio, or it's on the soccer field, or it's with friends that are at uh, our kids' school, or whether it's with our neighbors, or whether it's with uh, people who we've built relationships with, there's a lot of fish out there that you can cast out to. And you don't have to be afraid because God brings the catch. So I just want to encourage you. Are you going to cast this week? Are you going to cast? Are you going to cast? Are you going to cast? Statistics tell us that 60 to 70% of people 
who are invited on Easter Sunday will come. It's almost like you can even tell them, hey, would you like to go? And they're like, nah, I don't want to go. Then you just, you know, do, be hardball if you have to and go, are you, are you an American? I've used it. It works. Like, you get a guy that you start talking about his patriotism, like, are you truly a red-blooded American? You don't go to church? All right, man, I'll go, you know. Do whatever it takes because this is the time to do it. You know, I was thinking this week, this question came to me. What if Jesus comes back this Easter Sunday? I mean, what if next week, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, all... Jesus is back! And like you're here on that Sunday. You're like, man, He's back and He like shows up. Most of us in this place would be ecstatic. We would just be overjoyed. We would be filled with so much excitement because all pain, all loss, all sorrow, it's all gone and now we receive the presence of Christ and we don't have to have anxiety or depression or fears. We're free. And if Jesus were here and He asked you this question, hey, did you invite anybody to come see me today? What's your answer? If He asked, did you fish for anybody? Did you even try? Did you cast at all? What's your answer going to be? Folks, I know it feels so much more safe to stay in the fishbowl. It's easy to stay in the fishbowl. But this week, and every week, And every day, Jesus did not call you to be a goldfish in a fishbowl. He called you to be a fisherman in the sea of humanity. And He's calling on you to do that this week. And the question is, are you going to fish? Are you going to fish? We should all just start going, fish, 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 fish. God, thank you so much for your spirit that has been present here today. Through the band leading us in worship, to the challenge to now go and to fish. And the reason we do that is because you fished for us once. We were far from you, and yet you chose us. You said you matter to God. You matter to God. You matter to God. You matter to God. I'll go to a cross. I'll die upon it. We celebrated this Friday. A good Friday for us. A bad Friday for what Jesus went through. He said, I'll take all of the sins of the world upon me. And God... For those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, and I realize some of us are here and like, man, I don't know if I got a lot out of this today. What I hope you got out was that 
There's a God of the universe who loves you so much that he will move heaven and earth. He actually did through his son Jesus to fish for you. And so this week, God, I pray that you'd give us boldness. That you would help us to put a sign in our yard to invite our neighbors, co-workers, family, friends. And next week, God, you would draw hundreds and hundreds of people. Not so that we can simply say, oh, look, what he served, but that we would see lives change, God. Fish who were swimming aimlessly, that they would find you in your love so that your name would be made great. And we ask and we believe that you can do this, God, so that your name would be made great. And maybe you're here for the first time or you've been checking out the jar. And today has been a teaching about, honestly, you. That it's Jesus' desire that no one would perish, that every single fish would be caught by his love and his grace, and that your past sins are forgiven and you have a hope for living. And Jesus could give that to you today. So today, if you're at that point where you're ready to say, I, I need him in my life, I'm hooked today, Grace. I'm hooked by His love. I'm hooked by His grace. If you're ready to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need a second chance. If you're ready today to turn from your sins and to trust the one who knows you best, who loves you most, who has always been with you, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And here at the jar, we never pray alone. We always pray in community. So when you pray this, you don't pray it alone. Other people will be praying with you. But for you, if this is your first time, that you would take this in. And you would know that you're hooked and loved by the grace of God. So if you would, just join me in repeating this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I am hooked by your love. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you, Lord, for new life. Now you have mine.